Okay, welcome to the Believer's School of Ministry. We're with our friends in Hyderabad slash Sukhundabad, uh, Southern India. And uh, praise the Lord, everybody. Give us a good wave over there. Today. Now, how many love Jesus today? Yes. Wonderful. Hallelujah. <laughs> and this is the Believer School of Ministry. We're on uh, Lesson 9 in our 12-week uh, series, the 12-part series, uh, The Introduction to Ministry. And we're going to be studying today in Lesson 9, Doing the Works of Jesus. We could also call this lesson... Uh, introduction to miracles, because we're entering into the last phase of the uh, teaching in the introduction to ministry classes. The first dealt primarily with sharing your faith. The second part, the second four lessons dealt with uh, spirit-filled ministry. We studied the gifts. We studied hearing God's voice. We studied the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> and uh, I was really encouraged, and I am really encouraged by what God is doing in your in your church uh, through these lessons. And it's just a joy for us to be part of what God is doing in India. And we just see this as a seed planted in your lives that's going to multiply and multiply and multiply and never stop. God is going to use you guys as teachers, as disciplers, as miracle workers, uh, <clears throat> as anointed vessels to take the gospel to your nation and to take your take the gospel to the world. So praise the Lord for the, the privilege of being with you. And we pray today in Jesus' name that as the word goes forth, it will do its mighty work, uh, not only in your lives, but in those who watch by video or here on our uh, podcast. So praise God. All right. Well, lesson nine, doing the works of Jesus. The purpose of this lesson is to encourage believers to do the same works that Jesus did. Well, that's amazing. John chapter uh, 14, verses 12 through 14. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth in me. How many believe in Jesus? All right, so this is for you. He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John fourteen twelve through 14. You know, the last part of that scripture there, verses 13 and 14, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I remember one time I was in India, and <clears throat> I was with uh, Dr. Benjamin, you know, the founder of uh, Calvary Commission India, and we were in a village. And I, I couldn't tell you exactly where it was, but it was, it was one that did not have a, a church building. There were Christians that met there, but they met in a home. And so that night, and we kind of moved from village to village, and we were quite busy on all our trips together. But in this particular trip, we met in a home that night and just had a wonderful time together. I remember just an awesome time of worship and praising God. And the Spirit of God was, it was like the His Spirit was thick in that room. And I remember I got up and I preached on this text 
Um, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And I just preached a short message on that and emphasized the fact that we can use the name of Jesus, you know, to, to minister uh, to people and we can see miracles. And so then we began to pray for the people in this little house meeting in a village in India. And, you know, there was uh, two girls uh, in that in that that lived in that home that every night they were tormented by demonic powers and so they would go to sleep for a while and then they would wake up with uh, full of fear because demons were harassing them and so um, they came forward and we prayed for them and we ministered to them and we commanded the demon powers in the name of Jesus to cease their operation on these two girls and, you know, before we left that village, we heard the testimony that those girls were sleeping uh, wonderfully every night and, and just enjoying God's peace and presence because of the mighty name of Jesus. There was also a man that was at that meeting that had had a problem of pain, severe pain in his legs um, for several years, two or three years. And through prayer, he was instantly freed of that pain and gave testimony. And, and we have actually a video of that testimony. So thank God for those miracles. And uh, in, in these testimonies are from India. We, we see uh, miracles in the United States, too. But we've seen an awful lot of them in your country because uh, people seem to be open to the supernatural. And we just see a lot of miracles in your country. But I'm thinking of another time we were having an open air meeting. And preaching the gospel, we began to minister to people in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, someone said, you know, you need to talk to this girl. And uh, I don't think we had even laid hands on her. But we were just using the name of Jesus, commanding sickness and, and uh, demons to go and so forth. And this girl came up and testified that she once was deaf. She came to the meeting deaf, but now she could hear. Praise the Lord. Another tremendous miracle that I experienced at least the testimony of was a woman that was raised from the dead. Now that is amazing. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto the Father. Well, Jesus raised the dead. So if we believe that scripture, then we believe that God's people can raise the dead in the name of Jesus. So I remember we went into this village and we arranged an interview with this woman because she had been raised from the dead. And I, again, I was with Dr. Benjamin, you know, and, and one of the pastors that he was working with had gone into this particular village and prayed for this woman who had died. Now, the woman had died of a sickness. Uh, the funeral had been scheduled. The relatives and friends from other other cities were coming for the funeral. And for some reason, the pastor had an opportunity to go into this home and pray. And so as he prayed in the name of Jesus, this woman who had been dead was raised from the dead. And so I had an opportunity to interview her. I couldn't understand her language, but as through the interpreter, we understood that this woman had been raised from the dead. Now, she was not a Christian before she was raised from the dead, but, of course, afterwards she became a Christian 
and her whole family and many others in the village. God uses these miracles to turn hearts uh, to him. And, uh, you know, also in that village, there was a man who had been demon-possessed who ran around outside the town tearing off his clothes, just like the man in the Bible. And uh, the same pastor had ministered to this man, and I saw him there clothed in his right, in his right mind. So God does miracles today. Can you shout amen? Amen. Praise God. And, uh, you know, also in that night, then after the interview and so forth, we had a we had a um, evangelistic meeting. We preached the gospel and we prayed for the sick and many were healed that night. There was tremendous miracles. So God does miracles today and he uses that as a tool of evangelism. It's not just so we can uh, have something exciting happen, but it's so that the reality of God can come forth. In this world and touch people for Jesus Christ. And you know, in my own life, God used a miracle to draw me to Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I don't know how much have I shared in these lessons, but back in 1977, I was invited to come to a church. And uh, a man that I worked with invited me. He had invited me many times, but finally... Uh, we came to the church in July 4th, 1977. <clears throat> Excuse me. And there was an evangelist there. And he actually prayed for my friend, the one who had invited me to the meeting. And the man had had a problem in his heart, which came from um, having rheumatic fever as a child. He had a deformity in his heart as a result. That one of the valves was not operating properly. And this man had, uh, you know, low blood pressure as a result. And the doctors were uh, encouraging him to have open heart surgery. Well, during the meeting, this man came forward and the evangelist prayed for him. And he began to scream at the top of his lungs, Hallelujah! And I have to tone it down so I don't break your eardrums. But he, he just at the top of his voice, he shouted hallelujah, and he turned around and testified, I know God just healed me. And the next day, this man went to the doctor and had his heart checked out, and his blood pressure was normal. And he had had a heart murmur, and that was almost completely gone. And so the next person that he saw after he left the doctor was me. And of course, I was not following Christ at that time. But... It was something that grabbed my attention. I said, this is what I've been looking for. And I began to follow the Lord. And within several months, I became a Christian. I was born again. So thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for miracles. And interestingly, uh, several weeks later, this man was at the doctor uh, because his daughter had gotten something in her eye and he took her in to get that taken care of. And while he was there, uh, the doctor checked his heart and declared that there was no heart murmur whatsoever, and his blood pressure was still normal. So praise the Lord for those miracles. All right, our first section here is, the body of Christ is called to complete Jesus' ministry. So don't think of your ministry as separate from Jesus' ministry. It's just an extension of what he did when he was on the earth. And uh, that's why he said, the works that I do shall you do also. We are completing Jesus' ministry. 
Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. And uh, Acts 1.1 talks about, of course, Acts, 1, Acts was written by um, the, great, the physician Luke. And Luke also wrote a book called Luke. And he said, the former treatise have I made, O Theopolis, that's the book of Luke, of all that Jesus began to do and teach. So Luke said that Luke, the book of Luke, which is about Jesus' life on this earth, was just the beginning. And that he was to continue that work, Jesus continued his work, you know, in the book of Acts. So the book of Acts is the continuation of, of the ministry of Jesus. And today we are living in the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. In other words, God is still continuing to do his mighty acts by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, that we in the body of Christ are the fullness of him who fills all in all. In other words, Jesus is filling the earth through us. We need to understand and comprehend that we are the ones who Jesus is using to fill the earth with his glory. Uh, Jesus told us that like him, we are to make disciples and to teach others to make disciples. And that's what we're doing in this class. We're helping you to become more and more uh, disciples, followers of Jesus. But we also want you to make disciples. So we want you to take these lessons and take what you've learned and share it with others so that they can become disciples of the Lord. And in that way, God's work is completed. You know, we have the idea that, you know, uh, the Christian work is carried on by uh, great, huge evangelistic events. And uh, yes, it is. I love doing open-air meetings and preaching to hundreds and preaching to thousands. That is, makes my heart tick. You know, I, I love to do that. And that is, that is God's will. But also it's God's will for every believer in the body of Christ to do the works of Jesus in their daily life, right where they live. And so this, <clears throat> this is the plan of God. And, you know, this is what God is doing <clears throat> in this hour. This is the revelation that God is bringing forth in this hour. If you really look at the move of God today, it's individual believers waking up to their responsibilities and the potentiality, the abilities that God has placed within them to reach others for Jesus Christ. And we do this in the power of the Holy Spirit, with the anointing of God. And these miracles that I've been talking about today, and the miracles that we read about in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, they are for today, and they are for you. Praise God. So everybody say, they, these miracles are for me. These miracles are for me. Praise God. These miracles are for me. <laughs> and Susan says they're for her too. Praise the Lord. All right. <clears throat> and then he lives in us to do the works. You know, Colossians 1.27 says it is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So it's Jesus Christ living in the believer, in the heart of the believer, the Spirit of God, that is the hope of glory for this earth. And you know, even Jesus said in John 14, 10, that it's the Father who dwells in me that does the work. 
So we think of Jesus as being different, and yes, he is. He's the Messiah. He's the only begotten Son of God. But yet, in his earthly ministry, he operated under the power of the Holy Spirit, just like us. And so he demonstrated how that you and I uh, can uh, flow with the Holy Spirit and do the same works that he did. Okay, now we'll talk about following Jesus to receive his ministry. Jesus made the statement, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So what do we need to do? We need to make a choice to follow Jesus in our life, uh, in the way that we live, in our character, you know, in, in our attitudes, in our speech, in our actions, and in the way that he ministered. We're to duplicate Jesus' ministry. So he called people to follow him. So that goes back to that decision that you have made to follow Jesus. And we, we just enforce that and continue to walk in that every day of our lives. <clears throat> As Elisha pursued Elijah, we must pursue Jesus and receive his anointing. You can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-14. through 14, How Elijah was about to leave this earth, and he knew it. And, and he says, well, I'm going over here. And, and Elisha said, I'm going with you. And Elisha would not leave Elijah. Elisha pursued Elijah. And uh, even in the midst of obstacles and in the midst of uh, opposition, we need to follow Jesus. We need to keep following, pursuing Jesus. And then we will have his mantle, his anointing. We need to follow him in prayer. We need to follow him in our daily life. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 says that we are to be imitators of God as dear children. Uh, I, I think in the King James it says be followers, but the original Greek is mimitos. mimitos and it is uh, the root of our English word uh, imitators. Imitators. So we are to be mimitos of, of God. We're to be dear children. We're to be God-like and uh, Jesus told us in Matthew five fourteen through 16 that uh, we are to do good works uh, that would glorify God, our Father, that men may see your good works and glorify God, your Father. All right, now, God has given us gifts to equip us to do the work of the ministry. These are what we call the fivefold ministry gifts. Now, we've touched on these in our lessons uh, previously, but we want to just take a few minutes to explain the five different gifts that God has given us to equip us in the work of ministry. And uh, I'm going to read from the Amplified Version of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It's in your notes there. And by the way, for those that may be watching on YouTube or are listening on the podcast, all these notes are on our website. If you go to TomShanklin.org, uh, online believer, find the Online Believer School, you'll find this lesson and all the notes. But uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 <clears throat> says, And his gifts were varied. He himself appointed and gave men to us, some to be apostles, special messengers, some prophets, inspired preachers and expounders, some evangelists, preachers of the gospel, traveling missionaries, some pastors, shepherds of his flock, and teachers. 
His intention was the perfecting and full equipping of the saints, his consecrated people, that they should do, that they should do the work of ministering towards building up Christ's body, the church. So the first thought I want you to see here is that all these gifts, you see, are given for you. They're given to teach you, to train you, to encourage you, to equip you so that you can do the work. You can do the work of building up Christ's body, the church. So this is the thought that, you know, tradition has said, you know, we have a pastor and he does the ministry and we just show up on Sunday and we give our tithes, you know, and we just help him do his work. But no, that's not the Bible pattern. We come to church and we're involved in the church to be encouraged, to be strengthened, and to be enabled to go out and reach this world for Jesus Christ. And also to build build up the body locally, to encourage one another, to help one another, to minister to one another. And, you know, so I'm ordaining you and calling you forth. And, you know, the last session, uh, which we'll, we'll have, uh, Lesson 12, we're going to have uh, a uh, service for releasing you into ministry. So we're going to pray over each of you for the ministry that you have to be released in Jesus' name. Now, he gave five gifts, and here again, tradition says, well, we have pastors. And so some people think of a minister. I know many times I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll ask, well, what do you do? I'll say, well, I'm a minister. And they automatically assume I'm a pastor of a local church. Well, I was for 22 years a pastor of a local church, but in this season of my life, I'm operating more as an evangelist than a teacher. So that's what I'm doing in the call of God. But people assume if you say, I'm a minister, well, you must be a pastor. That's the only kind of ministry that they understand. But God's word says that there's five ministries. Everybody say five. Five. So there's five different ministries. And the first one is the apostle. Now the apostle, it says there in the Amplified, is a special messenger. And the word itself means sent one. It's someone that God sends into a particular area for a particular purpose to establish his kingdom in that particular area. An example of an apostle would be Dr. Benjamin. He was an apostle, truly an apostle. He was sent into particular areas. He established churches. Uh, he established the kingdom of God. He evangelized. He taught. Uh, he did many things to encourage uh, ministers and, and believers. And, you know, God used him in great ways uh, to establish his kingdom. That's what an apostle does. Apostle has a lot of different gifts. Uh, <clears throat> we see out of these five gifts, the apostle and the pastor... If you would compare them to a doctor, uh, they would both be kind of general practitioners. In other words, they'll do a lot of different things. Apostle has a multifaceted gifting to help him in his calling. There's times when he may prophesy. There's times when he may preach an evangelistic message. There's times where he may be pastoral. There's times when he may be caring for pastors. An apostle often is a pastor of pastors. Uh, so, 
This is the type of ministry that is so needed in the body of Christ, and it has not gone out of style. Some will tell us, no, we, we no longer have apostles. But I just want to say clearly, that's a lie of the devil. Don't believe it. We need apostles today. But on the other side of the coin, there are some folks that say, well, I'm the apostle. I'm the big uh, mucky mucky here. Everybody must bow down to me. I'm the apostle. No, the apostle is also a servant and uh, must have a humble heart and must give himself for the cause of Christ to bring forth God's missionary work uh, in the earth. But at the same time I say that, we should respect apostles. We should, we should respect all the ministry gifts, okay? And we should keep everything in balance. Second uh, ministry we should mention here is the prophet. Prophet is a specialist. A prophetic minister. He's gifted in the revelation gifts. And the mission of the prophet is to bring purity into the body of Christ. So the prophet's gift is often uh, focused on the body of Christ. Bringing perfection, bringing purity, bringing holiness into the body of Christ. So his messages, or her messages, are... To have that purpose, to bring forth uh, the perfection of God in the body of Christ. And as I said there, the prophet moves very strongly in the revelation gifts. Now, do you remember from our lesson on the, on the gifts of the Spirit what the revelation gifts are? There's three of them. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. Discerning, another way to say to discerning, is seeing. So very often a prophet might be called a seer. In fact, in the Old Testament, that terminology was used for the prophet. They were a seer. They see into the spirit. And you guys have had a little taste of that in your prayer time. Uh, after these lessons, you've begun to see things in the spirit. A uh, prophet is very uh, accomplished in that, has grown and developed in that. And God has put a special anointing upon the prophet to see in the spirit and to also have an accuracy and a power uh, in the area of revelation gifts. So the prophet, especially, you know, for example, in the word of wisdom, is very important to the body of Christ because the prophet can see things in the plans and purposes of God that he can impart or she can impart to the body of Christ. And uh, it's also about these gifts. Also, there's a particular anointing upon them for service in a particular area. In other words, we're talking about the prophet, for example, is gifted in these revelation gifts. So what what do you think the prophet imparts to the body of Christ? He or she imparts the ability to move in revelation gifts. I know that there's. There's many prophets who have schools and they have teaching and training for God's people to activate the revelation gifts uh, in their life and in their ministry. So each one of these gifts have something to impart to the body of Christ. And then there's the evangelist. Praise God for evangelists. We need more evangelists. In fact, I will say this, and I believe I'm accurate. I can only speak from experience and what I've seen. 
But there is many people, I believe, that are called to be evangelists that are not functioning in that office. Because it's a very difficult thing uh, to move into in this present environment. Because people will help to support a pastor uh, or a missionary, but they don't understand the office of the evangelist. So it's, it's challenging to move into that. So as a result, many evangelists are serving as pastors. And uh, when they really should be out on the field, because that's the call of God on their life. So let's pray that each of us will find our calling and move into it. And I pray that for you because I believe that some of you sitting here and, and you know, not necessarily all of you. I'm not putting something on you, but I'm saying that there's some of you that are sitting here today that are called to one of these fivefold ministry offices. That God has that in his plan for you uh, in your ministry to fulfill an office of ministry for the body of Christ and in the body of Christ. The evangelist gift, of course, is to bring forth the good news. Evangel, the root of that word, means good news. So that you'll see the evangelist preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what I love to do. I, I, I would say more than anything in ministry, I love to just stand up in front of a bunch of people that don't know Jesus and tell them about how he died for their sins on Calvary, he was buried, and he rose again. And if they'll open their hearts today, he will come in and change them, and they'll never be the same. I love that. The message of the evangelist is, you must be born again. That is the message. He may preach from 7,000 different texts, but it always comes back to, you must be born again. And that is the beautiful anointing of the evangelist. The evangelist also is, has a purpose in imparting to the body of Christ uh, the how-tos of evangelism, personal witnessing, and sharing Jesus Christ with others. And so, there again, these gifts are given for the equipping of the saints. So the evangelist is not only out to, to be out on the highways and byways preaching the gospel to the lost, but also training others uh, to reach their world for Jesus Christ. And, of course, uh, evangelists also should train and equip other evangelists. And so that's something, too, that every evangelist must remember and understand that that God has given them uh, the job to mentor other ministers and to be in the mix of the fivefold ministry gifts that is bringing forth Christ's will in the church. And then there's the pastors. Praise God for pastors, I'll tell you. I was a pastor for over 20 years, nearly 22 years. And it has got to be the most challenging job on the earth. <laughs> but thank God for pastors, that they're faithful. And the pastor, you know what he does? He lays down his life. The pastor lays down his or her life for the flock. And, you know, thank God for those who care for God's people. That is their specialty. They're, to, they're caring for God's people. But again, with the pastor, you see a mix of gifts. The pastor may have prophetic gifts. He may be used in the, the uh, word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Um, the word of wisdom is very important for the pastor to understand God's plans and purposes for the flock that he's watching over. Uh, he may move in teaching. Of course, every pastor really should be a teacher. And uh, so there's a mix of gifting there, but the primary purpose is to care for the sheep. 
And of course, you know, Jesus also taught uh, the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the lost. So there's an aspect also of the evangelistic anointing and, and calling upon the upon the uh, upon the pastor. And, you know, Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor, do the work of the evangelist. So pastors should learn how to evangelize. And the best way to do that is to get out and start evangelizing through personal witnessing, uh, through also through preaching to people that don't know Jesus. So a pastor should not only preach to his own flock, but he should get out where the lost are, reach out to the lost, you know, and tell them about Jesus. And that will really help uh, expand your ministry and develop your ministry. And then finally, there's the teacher whose role is to teach. That would be someone who's uh, not necessarily a pastor in the sense of being a shepherd over a flock, but yet has an anointing to teach the Word of God. And there are many great teachers in the world today who help us to understand the work of God. They're a little different than an apostle. They're not necessarily given to, uh, you know, starting churches and that kind of thing. They're a little different to, than a pastor because they're not necessarily over a flock, but they're given to teaching the Word of God and to rightly dividing the Word of Truth and to imparting that to the body of Christ. Now, we've used the illustration of the hand for these fivefold ministry gifts starting with the thumb being the apostle. The apostle works with all the other gifts to bring forth the will of God. Okay, And then the prophet points out uh, the sin of the people. And uh, you know, not necessarily in a harsh way, but bringing that word of encouragement to repent and get back on track. And then the evangelist would be the middle finger uh, the evangelist has the greatest outreach. Do you see that? Can reach out further than the others, okay? And then the third finger has been used as a picture or illustration for the pastor because in one sense, the pastor is married to the church. You know, the, there's the, close, the closest link between the sheep is with their pastor. And then the little finger would be the one that can get in your ear and that is the teacher, praise God. So those are that's a nice illustration of the fivefold ministry gifts. And each of these ministries have a part in equipping and developing God's people to do the work of the ministry. So I encourage you uh, in your you know in your lives to incorporate and and uh, you know draw from each of these gifts as the Lord puts them in your life and in your churches to Draw, draw out these gifts and to, you know, bring in other ministries. You know, many of these gifts are traveling ministers. Teachers travel. Prophets travel. Evangelists travel. Because they're not just necessarily given to one particular location. So then we travel to bring our gift and to be a blessing to the body of Christ and to the world. Okay, what are the works of Jesus? We, we read that we're talking about today doing the works of Jesus. What are the works of Jesus? Well, his plan is to duplicate his character, his love, and his works. Acts, uh, Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. 
That's what we're called to do. We're called to walk in the anointing and to do the works of Jesus. 1 John 4, 17, I love that verse. It says, as he is, so are we in this world. So we're to understand that we're to be like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 tells us that we are uh, pre-programmed, predestinated to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Paul in Philippians 3 prays and desires and craves that he might know him in the power of his resurrection, being made conformable to his death. And um, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 said that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. So we are to walk in that power of Jesus Christ. We can do the works of Jesus. What are they? Well, we can win souls. That's the greatest work of all, is leading someone to Jesus Christ. We can heal every kind of sickness and disease. We can preach the gospel of the kingdom. We can do miracles. We can overcome the power of Satan. We can command spirits to submit to us in the name of Jesus. We can multiply food. We can raise the dead. We can cast out devils. We can cleanse the lepers. I tell you, I'm getting excited just reading this. We can teach believers to do Jesus, to do everything Jesus commanded. We can be baptized in the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus was. We can move in the power of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus did. We can be his witnesses in all the world. Thank God I, I've been privileged to, to minister um, on different continents and different nations of the world. Hallelujah. And it's so exciting that we can be his witnesses in all the world. And we can make disciples of all nations. And that's exactly what we're doing today. So, understand that doing the works of Jesus, you know, of course, what comes to mind is all the miracles. But the miracle, you know, the works of Jesus is also making disciples, teaching the word of God. You know, when someone gets up and, and teaches the Word of God, takes an hour to teach you uh, the Bible, you may think, well, that's not the works of Jesus, that's just teaching. Well, no, teaching is the works of Jesus. Making disciples is the works of Jesus. So it's all part of the whole picture. Amen. Okay, the works of Jesus glorify God. As we read in our text today, the Father is glorified when we use the name of Jesus. A man named Tommy Hicks had a tremendous vision back in the 1950s of the body of Christ going, flooding the earth. And he saw just streams of God's glory all over the earth. And then he saw ordinary believers going from hut to hut, house to house, place to place, doing the works of Jesus, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead. Not necessarily... Preachers of the gospel, as we as we think of them, evangelists or pastors or whatever, but just ordinary people doing the works of Jesus. That's God's plan. Now, Jesus told people to believe in him because of the miracles that he did. So miracles are important. Uh, 5,000 people believed because of the miracle at the gate, beautiful, when the lame man walked that had never walked and went walking, leaping and praising God. That's pretty amazing. And 5,000 people believed because of that. 
The people in Samaria believed because of the miracles that Philip did. And miracles glorify God. They are displays of God's awesome power, which cause the reality of God's power to be manifested in the earth. And, of course, I already shared with you the testimony about how I came to Jesus as a result of a miracle of healing. How do we do the miracles? Well, there's three things we're going to do in, in concluding here. We do the works of Jesus through faith. We do the works of Jesus through the name of Jesus. And we do the works of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So today we're just going to look at uh, these three things because these are really the keys for us to enter into doing the works of Jesus. Number one, we do the works of Jesus through faith. Jesus said, he that believes in me, the works that I do. So I want to encourage you to be believing believers. Amen? We're to be believing believers, not doubting Thomases. Praise God. I confess I am not a doubting Thomas. I'm a believing Thomas. Okay. So the power of God is continual. Right? It's like a power plant. I know that you guys have a lot of problems with uh, the lights going out, right? Uh, But it's not that, you know, there's a a lack of power with God. His power plant is always producing, right? It's just a matter of we have to turn the switch on. So we talked about how it takes a $2 switch to turn on the lights, but the power comes from somewhere else. And so God's power comes to us by the Holy Spirit, and it's up to us to uh, acknowledge that power and believe in that power so it can flow. So keep the switch of, of faith turned on for your ministry. Mark uh, nine twenty three says that all things are possible to him that believes. And Luke one thirty seven, as the angel said to Mary, for with God nothing shall be impossible. That's a good scripture to keep in mind now in our Christmas season, that with God nothing is impossible. If he brought forth Jesus through the virgin, he can bring forth miracles in your life and in your ministry. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we can struggle and struggle to do good works and to be a good Christian, but without faith, we're going to fall flat. We need that faith to connect us to God and to bring forth that power you know, in our lives. And that goes for every aspect of the Christian life. Jesus said, If you believe in your heart, you can speak to the mountain. So we speak to the mountains, uh, obstacles in India to the advance of the kingdom that the that the mountains would come down and the will of God would come forth in Jesus name and Jesus told people many times that their faith had made them well so faith what is faith by the way faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen so first of all faith is something that you cannot see it's something that's inward it's something that's of the heart as believing in a reality that you can't see with your physical eyes. So when it comes to miracles, we must believe that the miracle worker lives in us. Uh, I remember um, reading from uh, Frances Hunter, who had many miracles in her life. And she says, you know, the thing that, the reason that we have miracles, her and her husband, Charles and Frances Hunter, is that we believe that Jesus Christ lives in us. 
And if we believe that Jesus Christ lives in us, we should expect miracles. Amen? But if we live in the reality, oh, it's just me, I'm just a Tom walking down the street. Well, that, I'm in the flesh, I'm just Tom. But Jesus lives in me. Hallelujah. So, I'm a miracle going somewhere. Praise God. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a miracle waiting for something to happen. Praise God. To, that when I go today to town and walk in, in the buildings and see the people, miracles are apt to happen because Jesus lives in me. Also, Jesus promised us that we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. Praise God. So I want you guys to get charged up about miracles, praise God, and signs and wonders in your life. They happen through you. And the Word of God tells us that the prayer of faith will save the sick, James 5.15. So that was all about we do the works of Jesus through faith. Faith is very crucial and key to that. Second thing here is we do the works of Jesus through the name of Jesus. Always understand that you're not going in your name. You're not going in the name of your church or your denomination. You're going in that mighty name of Jesus. Praise God. I love that. Praise God. Thank God for our, our churches and thank God for our denominations that are doing something for the Lord. Praise God. We thank God for that. But what we're talking about now is power from heaven. And that comes through the name of Jesus. Can I have an amen today? Amen. Amen. In John fourteen thirteen, you know, in the Amplified Version where it says, uh, whatever you ask in my name, uh, the Amplified Version says, presenting all that I am. So when we say the name of Jesus, we are presenting Jesus. We are saying, okay, in the name of Jesus, who is the Savior of the world, who is the Lord, who is above all principality and power, who, you know, all these things that have been accomplished through him and who he is. When I say in the name of Jesus, it's not, I'm just not saying a religious phrase. I'm saying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Lord of all, I command you devil to go. You see, he's given me, he has given me that right. It's not that I'm taking it upon myself. It's not that I'm being presumptuous. That I'm saying, you know, well, I'm the big shot here. No, I say, Jesus' name, because he told me, he told Tom Shanklin to use his name. He told Moses to use his name. Praise God. And so for every one of you, I want you to realize, he told Pastor Diva to use his name. Praise God. And so I want you to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Uh, Peter used the name of Jesus to raise up the lame man. In Acts chapter 3, you can read about that. And By the way, your homework, of course, as always, is to go through this lesson, look up all these scriptures, uh, study them and meditate them, because this is just a study guide. We're only together talking for an hour or so, but we want you to take this further during during the week and before our next class to you know really absorb these scriptures. We are to do all that we say and do in the name of Jesus, Colossians three seventeen. Jesus' name is delegated authority or the power of attorney. I don't know if you're familiar with that phrase, power of attorney, but when someone gives you power of attorney, 
Like, uh, for example, my mother, when she was in her last days, last years on earth, she gave power of attorney to me. <clears throat> so I could, I could sign her checks. Uh, I could do anything that she could do in her name because she had given me power of attorney in the same way that uh, Jesus has given us power of attorney on earth to use his name. Uh, <clears throat> the name of Jesus, the Bible tells us, is above every name. Philippians chapter 2, 9 through 11. He tells us in Mark sixteen seventeen that in his name we cast out devils. Praise God. So, just believe that you have that authority. Praise God. Expect him to confirm the word with signs following. Change lives, deliverance, miracles, multiplied food, dead raised. Take the limits off. Can I have an amen today? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, and finally, we do the works of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, because I go to my Father. The works that I do shall you do also because I go to the Father. What happened when he, when he went to the Father? Well, this is the total redemptive picture. Uh, the redemptive work of God was completed through Jesus Christ. He died on Calvary. He was buried. He rose again. Then what happened? He ascended. He went to his Father. Then what happened? The Holy Spirit was poured out. So we have to recognize this redemptive work, uh, what took place uh, through Jesus Christ because he went to the Father. A new covenant was instituted that our sins are forgiven, that he writes his laws in our hearts, and we are his children. Uh, the gospel was given to the Gentiles. Jesus and his church was exalted above all principalities. You know, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, right? Far above all principalities and powers and every name that is named. There is no demon that's above Jesus. But the Bible tells us that we are seated together with him in heavenly places. So you have the authority of Jesus. You're joint heirs with him. Uh, the door was open for the new birth and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit was poured out. In Acts 1.8, he tells us he gave us power to be a witness. And we see that in the book of Acts, how that power was demonstrated in the early church through signs, wonders, and miracles. Uh, and that witness of Jesus Christ was powerful as a result of that. Uh, he sent the Comforter, which is also... The, uh, in the Greek, paraclete, parakletos, uh, the one called alongside to help. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. And then finally, we do the works of Jesus through compassion. I know many times in my ministry, I've, when I've seen miraculous things, it's because God's Spirit moved upon me with compassion for the person. You know, our motives are so important in God, too. And, and see, if we're praying for people just to show that we're a big shot or we have a great ministry, uh, we're not going to see a lot of fruit from that. But if we're, if we're moved with compassion for the people, like Jesus was in his ministry, we'll see results because it's God's love flowing out of our heart. You know, many times I've said this, and I, I, I truly believe that the anointing, the anointing actually is uh, God's love flowing through us. Did you catch that today? 
the anointing actually is God's love flowing through us, or the anointing is God's love in action. And I know for me, you know, when I was a young Christian, uh, I had the desire to preach and teach. And I began to, to minister, and God gave me some opportunities to minister in our local church and in Bible studies. And I remember one of the other uh, younger believers with me, he, he would ask me, how do you do that? And uh, I can remember I told him, well, you just get up and you love the people. You just get up and you love the people. That's how you minister. You just get up and love the people. And, and I know from my case, I never had any natural gift of speaking. Uh, I was not a public speaker. Uh, even now I can be a little shy when it comes to speaking. But it's the anointing that breaks the yoke, see? It's the anointing that enables uh, these miracles to happen, the works of Jesus to be accomplished. And again, we're emphasizing physical miracles here, but the anointing is so essential for teaching, too, and for preaching, that we need the anointing to break the yoke. And so uh, the anointing flows through compassion. The Bible tells us Jesus was moved with compassion when he healed the sick. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 5, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so this is how God functions, is through that love in our hearts, flowing out to others. In the area of the gifts of the Spirit, you know, praying in your heart, when you're talking to someone, when you're um, out in the in the marketplace or at school or at work and you're talking to someone and, and that compassion is there, you just begin to pray for them and say, Lord, what is the access point? What is the need that's in their life? You know, I can remember an example of this. I was flying back uh, from a conference here in the United States and I was sitting next to a lady and we were just chatting a bit, you know, and, and uh, I, I, I had a desire to witness to her about Jesus Christ. But everything we were talking about was more on the surface, you know. And so I just silently prayed for her. And I said, Lord, what is, what's going on? What's the, what's the need in her life? And, of course, then the Lord just showed me uh, there's some areas in her family. Just ask her how her family is. And so I did that, you know, and then she started talking about her son. She had a son who had some legal problems and had probably some drug problems and things like that. And so this was something that opened her heart that I could uh, minister to her uh, spiritually in that situation. So the gifts of the Spirit flow through love and compassion, too. So just, uh, you know, love is so predominant. When, when you talk about ministry, true ministry is loving people. That's what it is. And, you know, ministry to the Lord, too, is loving God. So love is really central to everything that you do. So, <clears throat> it's by His, it's by faith, it's by His power, it's by His name, it's by, by His compassion. Our part is to be the conduit by faith to bring His works into the earth. Decide to be a believing <clears throat> believer turned on to the mighty power of God and doing the works of Jesus in his name. Praise God. So then I have in the notes some more testimonies. Uh, my son 
when he was a baby, was like this. His neck was crooked. This is one of the early miracles that we saw. We, we had become Christians, but he was going around like this. And we, we had prayed for him, I think. But we were at a Bible study one night, and uh, a man of God, the same man actually that led me to the Lord, Danny, uh, prayed for him. The next thing you know, my son's neck was straight. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, many miracles. A man who had had the uh, muscles torn off his leg when I was a young pastor was healed by the power of God. He had tremendous pain, but after that time, he had no more pain in the name of Jesus. Um, <clears throat> one Another example from India. We were at a a large evangelistic crusade. We were working with another evangelist. This again was with Dr. Benjamin. And I suppose there was um, ten to 15,000 people in the crowd. And it was a great experience for me. And Dr. Benjamin also preached to that crowd. Uh, I remember him on the platform preaching his heart out. It was great. But afterwards, uh, <clears throat> the people began to come because the evangelist had like words of knowledge and he prayed for people and, and many people were healed and came up to the platform and gave testimony. But not everybody was, of course, ministered to in that way. So afterwards, he just asked the people to come if they still had a physical need for prayer. And so several of us went down on the ground level from the platform and began to pray. And each of us had an interpreter. And so this was a, just a, it was one of the awesome experiences of my life. It really was because the people began to come with all kinds of needs and all kinds of pain in their body. And I had an interpreter there who was quite good. And I just began to lay hands on people. And, you know, just one after another were healed. Just pain was leaving their body. They, they would immediately testify that God had healed, him, uh, healed them. And, you know, the people were pulling on me. And it just reminded me of the stories of Jesus, how they were thronging him. But I would be praying for someone, and almost before I was done, someone would grab my arm and pull my hand uh, to be put upon their head. And there was such a hunger in the people and such a desire to be healed and to experience God's miraculous power. Um, that belief that was in them was drawing on the anointing. And it seemed like Every person would testify that the pain had left them. We've seen that many times in India, uh, where God's power would just seem to touch every single person. Praise God. Uh, it's so awesome. Praise God. So you guys are living in a good harvest field over there. So keep on preaching. A uh, man I prayed for had a tumor. It disappeared. Well, we have the testimony. Pastor Diva was with us where the young lady that had the tumor uh, during an open-air meeting, testified the tumor is gone. She had a, a, a tumor like the size of a fist or more. All of a sudden, it was gone. Praise the Lord. And uh, we had another tumor here in America, a man who had a tumor in his colon was healed. And uh, so many things. Praise God. My suggestion today is, Pastor Deva, if you would... Um, just sort of minister to the group after we sign off and share what's on your heart uh, based on, you know, the lesson that we've had.
and share some experience that you've had with miracle power and seeing God's healing power. And then I would like to encourage you, Pastor, to demonstrate how to minister to the sick. And just uh, kind of step out in faith and minister to any there that have problems that need healing or any miracles. And just just demonstrate how to do that. So how's that sound? Yes, that's it. Wonderful. <laughs> okay. And then, uh, of course, there's a uh, also a uh, written assignment today. You can read about in the notes about asking everyone to, to write about a testimony that either that they've seen or they've heard about. And uh, yes. to, to share with someone uh, about that and then to a minister. So that's your assignment along with... Um, you know, reading over the lesson, studying, looking up all the scriptures, that's, uh, of course, your homework. So, by the way, guys, you have been a great class. We're so thankful for you and your hunger for God. And we're just expecting great things to come forth out of this. Uh, that, you know, your your lives are going to be changed forever. And the ministry is going to be multiplied. And you'll never be the same. Your church will never be the same. And so we're just expecting you guys are going to have a great Christmas season. There's going to be people coming to the Lord and uh, added to your church. And we're going to look towards uh, 2018 uh, as a time of great uh, deliverance, great victory, and a great advance for the kingdom of God. So we're just uh, so pleased and so blessed to be a part of what God's doing uh, in your midst there. And so we look, look ahead to next year. Uh, to finish the, the uh, remaining three classes and to see God's power released. So when we get together, uh, maybe you can share some testimonies about what has happened, you know, during these weeks and what God is doing in your hearts and in your church and in your community. So praise the Lord. And again, I look forward to uh, God willing uh, coming to India later in 2018 to see you in person. Amen. 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 So I guess that's about it for now. Let's just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your precious people. I thank you for your love for them. I thank you for the opportunity to uh, share the good news and to teach these things and to share, you know, out of the word of God and out of our experience, the things that you have done. Because, Lord, it's all just a seed. It's just all just a beginning. So we just speak multiplication to the seed in the hearts of the believers. We thank you, Lord, that it has been received into good ground. And it will bring forth 30, 60, 100 fold in Jesus' precious name. Lord, I pray for Pastor Deva, Pastor Amelia, in the work that they're doing, that they would be anointed in a strong and powerful way, that you would supply all their needs, that you would give them those that would come alongside, lift up their arms and help them with the work, that they would be encouraged every day to continue. And Lord, we speak multiplication to the church of God and the multiplication to the work of God in India. And we just say that Jesus Christ is glorified and Jesus is Lord over India and over all the world. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the people shout it. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Yeah.
We pray you have been blessed and encouraged by this message from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom Shanklin Ministries is reaching the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. We invite you to become part of this worldwide evangelistic outreach through your prayers and financial support. To request our free monthly newsletter, you can reach Tom Shanklin Ministries at 507-407-HELP. That's 507-407-4357. Visit Tom Shanklin Ministries online at TomShanklin.org or send cards and letters to Tom Shanklin Ministries, P.O. Box 4144, Mankato, Minnesota, 56002.